You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, time for lulls. We got Brick here. I'm Pete. We, of course, want to uh, talk about the recent NFFC scandal that we broke down on ship chasing last night. Uh, I know people still have lots of questions about that. Brian will... uh, try to uh to hit me up and try to uh grab his head around this and then also did want to talk about the big news in the sports betting space with espn getting or sorry with DraftKings getting into bed with barstool talk about how that all unfolded with the previous pen deal which is pretty interesting within our space so it's time for lulls let's do it does he think i think he thinks this he thinks this is a go vegas dave thinks this is a go hot naked girls doing yoga what? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. <laughs> Type in one for yes, two for no, and let the DFS guys pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bust. <laughs> Please don't do bust. There were uh there were lots of jokes on the on the news last night that uh Lowell's got scooped uh for new and then I was like Am I able to scoop myself? Is is that possible? Yeah. But uh, apparently, people thought Lowell should have been the the show breaking the uh, NFFC news. At least at least one of us was. So, <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, that would have been that would have been pretty ballsy of me to say to to Pat and Gretch. Yeah, like I know we were the ones who uncovered it. It happened on ship chasing with ship chasing guys. But um, Brian and I are actually going live at midnight, uh, and we're gonna beat you to the punch on this one. <laughs> I sent Pete an uh, article uh, or a tweet about cheating in poker like the day before. Like, hey, maybe yeah. we could talk about this. And then, well, now there's more cheaters. There's cheaters everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty wild because, it, I mean, I understand why people draw the connection between this story and Lowell's. Because even if uh, if I had nothing to do with this story and helping uncover it, we would probably be leading with this story regardless uh, right now within the fantasy space. So I do feel like I'm in this kind of weird position in that, you know, basically said our piece and everything we knew up to the moment last night. And now that it's out in the public, 
there's what happens, right? More people do more digging, more information comes to light. And so I'm trying to balance, you know, consuming all of that information and also reconciling all I have are the facts that, uh, that we presented last night. I, you know, we said on this show a bunch of times, um, the best private eyes and detectives are the players. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if uh, FFPC does this, but Underdog has all the data from Battle Royale, BBM3, and maybe other stuff too. I haven't really looked at everything. Just publicly available. Yep. And the links we've I've I've sent the link out on Twitter. People have it. So uh, if you we like people wanted to look through it, they can for Underdog. So um i don't i love stuff like this just in general it's cool that you guys pulled it off i mean maybe you should explain what happened yeah and so we got we got sacrilegious in the chat and you know obviously pat gretch and i ended up being kind of the vocal uh you know talking heads for kind of what happened but it was really drico and sacrilegious who were at the bottom of it we decided to co-manage an entry in the nffc playoff contest so we did some of their season long high stakes leagues we do a league there with leone every year um but then they offer a playoff contest and it's much much more convoluted than say the ffpc contest where it's like you just pick one player from each team set it and forget it and it is what it is like with this there's like the elements of game theory along the way of you're trying to plot out a bracket, but there's a multiplier. You can uh, add guys in. And so there's all this like game theory around it. And Drico and Sacrilegious and, and Ben Gretsch really kind of like decided to really start to wrap their heads around this. We're really in the weeds strategically. And then the way this contest works is like after the wild card round, you basically kind of have to set a bracket to play it optimally. So you're basically saying these guys are in the Super Bowl, so I'm going to pick the two players from this team, yada, yada. So once the dust kind of clears from the wild card weekend, you can start to see the other teams that are on the same trajectory as you. Like they're saying playing the same bracket as us, Baltimore, San Francisco, Super Bowl. So they ID'd this team that had a very similar start to us. And then that meant, okay, like to ensure that we aren't blocked by them, we have to surpass them in some way. So if we just play the chalk from here on out, this team is just going to beat us because they have a better version of our team. So they were in the weeds and realized, hey, this guy's probably going to play Rashi Rice. Let's play Travis Kelsey as a leverage pivot. This is obviously before Travis Kelsey goes off. Now people are thinking more fondly of Travis Kelsey than they were before that game. So we make that pivot trying to outmaneuver this guy the game's lock and they start taking screenshots to celebrate. Like, yes, we were right. He's going to play Rashi Rice. We make the pivot to Travis Kelsey. Ergo, Travis Kelsey outscores Rashi Rice. We can leapfrog this team and get him back behind us in this sprint, so to speak. And so it was because of that kind of like one-on-one -on -one maneuvering in those screenshots where we, we had multiple screenshots at lock. Look, this guy did play Rashi Rice. We're good. And then you fast forward a couple hours later and now all of a sudden Travis Kelsey is in his lineup. And from I read that that article, it sounded like he switched them three minutes after the touchdown. After the touchdown, why are the cheaters always so bad at cheating? Like, I mean, I guess I guess like what time is a good time in this in this in this regard? Um, but like you know, usually when they cheat, it's just like they just they just do, go so hard, it's so obvious. Yeah, and it is like. You know, on the one hand, they do have all of the logs publicly available for transactions, like down to literally just resubmitting a lineup. Like if we moved, say we had Travis Kelsey in a tight end spot and then there was a flex and we just like moved him from the tight end to flex and press save, that would like register as a move. And that's like 
all publicly there, but there's also just like walls of transactions, right? So unless you were really kind of sifting through it to look for an abnormality, it's all publicly available. And yet this individual clearly thought that it wouldn't be noticed, even though it is public, like, which is kind of the weird thing about it. Yeah. Um, uh, this, what's his name? Merka missed comment here. Uh, I think like being hiding it is like the part of being good at it. Like if you're, right. if you're cheat, like playing a card game and you cheat and you get caught every single time, you're not good at cheating. <laughs> yeah. Well, and isn't there to me, it, it's the element of you start, like if you're playing God, which in this case, you are essentially a super user, right? Where if you have access to all of this stuff, you, you get complacent, right? You're, it's almost like it gets, you're, you're lackadaisical about it, or you just feel like I'm invincible and there's no way. Um, that was the other thing about one of the responses. The first response was it was trying to just, uh, submit a lineup to make sure the live scoring worked. And that, that explanation didn't hold water relative to the Kelsey Rice thing because it was an actual transaction. It wasn't even a resubmitting of a lineup. It was dropping Rashi Rice and adding Travis Kelsey, which even took another level of intention and even couldn't explain the like live scoring fix. So like it was at that point, it had gone from like bad cheating to like egregiously bad, obvious cheating. Which is... I don't know how they always get caught. They never just go subtle and just take take it where they can get it. Is the guy who Liam got in an argument preseason for the Taysom Hill, is that the same site or a different site? No. Yeah, that there. I've already seen some confusion. So that site with the Taysom Hill eligibility was FFPC. This is NFFC. I'd say there's like three big high-stakes providers. FFPC is the biggest, and then there's FFWC. And then NFFC and then NFFC is part of this like parent company um, that has a few different like subset companies that have like a baseball wing, uh, you know, a football wing. And there's a few different things under that umbrella. Hmm. Okay. Cause if it was that guy, I don't know. It'd just be funny hearing him. No. Well, that's what people were saying. Like uh, Sam Sherman tweeted out something that was like FFPC changes Taysom's eligibility. And then (laughs) NFFC says, holds my, hold my beer. Uh, essentially with that you know I, I still want to stick on this but i'm just like in my head i'm thinking what is the gto strategy to cheat in this situation like how would he get away with it not him just anyone you know like what would you do if you had that so the only thing i can think of is if you had the ability to change the timestamps on the submissions like i think about like an example here um if you sh- like in wordpress if you have a blog post you can retroactively change like when it was posted like you can say i want this was posted at this time at this like you can go change the publishing date maybe they've changed but I, it's been a while since i've done wordpress but like back in the day that's how it was that's the only thing i can think of is would they have access to tweak the timestamps on that and then, you know, one step after that, I mean, all you can do is what they do, right? It's just like, who's yeah. doing good? All right, let's switch to Aaron Jones. He's got, he's going crazy. Let's switch to this other one. So like, there's no, there's no good way to do it. No, 
No, and like the first the first one too, because it was the wild card weekend, there's so many other like engaged teams, so many other people submitting their lineup. Whereas like the dust starts to settle in this while in the divisional round, you see which teams are good, you see which teams are at the top of the leaderboard. Like there's less places to hide at that point once you have a good team. Like we wouldn't have recognized this team unless it was a good team. Exactly. Yeah. There's probably there's probably worse times to do it. Like if you really wait to when everyone's looking at the leaderboard and all of a sudden you pop up to the top, like you, right. want, you like there's there's got to be a cutoff. You know, if you're thinking like DFS style, he should be feeding him who everyone else is playing too, right? Yes. But these guys might not be sophisticated enough to do anything about it. Right. Yeah, and that's I think that's why this is it's really hard to wrap your head around when an individual has that kind of um access to everything on the back end. And I've said this on the show when I talked to David Perham from ESPN, like every time we communicated with the NFFC, anytime it involved anything within tech or support or whatever, Derek was CC'd on the email. So I had an issue with a deposit thing, Derek CC'd on that. Getting a specific link for a landing page, Derek CC'd on that. Like as I understood it from my experiences, he was heavily involved with anything on the tech side of NFFC operations. Got it. And this is the employee that was fired. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So the, there's there, yeah, there's more ways. Like maybe he didn't have access to that, like seeing others lineups and he can only change transit. So who knows? But um, yeah, I guess there's other ways that you could cheat. Cause like if you bring it back to DFS, this was the insiders clearly like one of the few ways they could cheat us. Um, but it's not as big in DFS, like not in that format, knowing who like the teams that are similar, you are playing is way, way bigger advantage than a 30,000 NBA in knowing that, you know, whatever, 40% of the people are on, um, you know, Giannis or something like that doesn't help you that much. It can't help you in the, in the, in the, like the 10 mans, you know, and the Thunderdome and stuff that would be useful way more useful yeah. closer to this, but this is definitely a big advantage if you did know that. Um, but the insider, I, not, I mean, not thinking about it with DFS, they could, they could do that too pretty easily. If you got 35,000 lineups, no one's looking at the 20,000 lineup that just switches to Giannis right. you know, halfway through that game off of whoever. So that, yeah, that could, that could be, it's a uh, something to think just- about. Just to clarify something in the chat, and if if this is your guys' first time like hearing about this, uh, I do recommend watching the full ship, ship chasing thing. We go like blow by blow and spell it out. Now there's some summary articles as well, but obviously I'm not hitting on every single thing here. Mr. Mr. Wire employees allowed to play in their own contest. He was not this user by the username Bradley Willis, and this is one of the things we talked about on ship chasing. We found a long history of correspondence between the employee and this username, Bradley Willis. So they were um, either friends, acquaintances. At one point, they referred to each other as a cousin. So some kind of, you know, familiarity there beyond acquaintance. So the the moves were occurring from the employee to the Bradley Willis teams, which was called Red Solo Cup. And then a bunch of the baseball guys, apparently the Bradley Willis username plays high volume, high stakes fantasy baseball and has all kinds of entries spanning, you know, multiple years on the site. 
His DFS screen name is Ethan Gate. Just yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it was funny because I, I got off the phone uh like probably an hour ago and David's article is already up, but he asked me at the end of the call, he's like, have you ever seen anything like this in the fantasy space? And I was like, well, yeah, uh, Ethan gate, a uh, little bachelor gate. Um, but yeah, I, I hadn't, I hadn't seen, could, I couldn't think of an example in the season long, you know, high stakes fantasy space, but certainly in the DFS space. Yeah. Yeah. The, the season long is actually a good place to cheat because the fields are smaller. The pods are, you know, smaller, um there's less eyeballs on you the data collection isn't as robust right there's less professionals yeah yeah so uh wouldn't be surprised if like there's some other shenanigans like yahoo or who knows you know whatever yeah yep you got um and always play we said that this will be the hundredth time i said but just assume in gambling you're being cheated and just or that there's a chance you're being cheated and act accordingly um we should all it's, be asking for transparency and more information it's what the crypto bros get right right what's the slogan don't trust verify yeah right sure yeah uh and george bush <laughs> yeah no it, it like and the what the quote i gave david too that, that made it in the article and it's like everyone's already so quick to jump to conspiracies. And now you have like tangible proof, like even operators who are, you know, uh, above, you know, blame or have none done nothing wrong. Like they're going to catch blowback of this too, because, but I think maybe you would argue that that would maybe push for more levels of transparency, more, you know, CSV type things needing to be made publicly available, that this could actually be a net good for the overall industry. That's how ultimate bet went down. If you remember back, back in the day that the users were just screaming that there's cheaters. These are cheaters. And they're like, ultimate bets like, no, there's not here. Take the data smart guy and see if you, you can find any, anyone in the players then eventually cracked the case by looking at the data. So yeah, they had to complain and then eventually ultimate bet, um, Probably, you know, I bet they regret it uh, yeah. in hindsight, but that was clearly the right thing to do. And, I mean, if you think about these sites, like how many employees do they have? Like it, to come through all that data uh, scouring for cheaters, it's just too hard. Like so outsourcing it to the people who have vested interest, like it it could it, like the there obviously there's more things to be concerned about when you're an owner of a site because like now I'm going to have all the dummies in the world looking through this data too and then emailing me stuff that is clearly not cheating you know remember last year or whatever there was that that one playoff lineup that looked or one lineup that just looked like it was completely cheating until yeah. you saw the date it was drafted you know it was like one of the first drafts yeah. And the draft would actually actually made sense at that time. But if you just took it out of context, it's like there's no way anyone got this team because right. you're six months behind at that point or whatever it was. You know what I'm saying? So like they're gonna have so much more customer service, uh, you know, time wasted by releasing this data. So I can understand why they'd be hesitant and people writing articles and stuff like that. But like you just can't do it when you have so few employees. Like you need these these experts looking through this well, stuff 
Yeah, and I mean, not that like obviously you should have your own checks and balances in place and okay. automated triggers, but you making that stuff publicly available and basically leveraging, you know, crowdsourcing to do a bunch of extra work for you, like people should be embracing it. But obviously sites are so, they're scared of something like this happening, not realizing the crowdsource element flagging it early on before it becomes a major issue will be far, far better for your bottom line than letting things skirt by and then having it all blow up at once. I don't think any reasonable gambler or person who, you know, might gamble is going to like, look at this and go like, you know, you guys really screwed up. Like you had, you had like a rogue employee undermining your entire company. Like it's not their fault. Like this could happen at any, any company. And does like, <laughs> I mean, it happens like the Pentagon. You see, like last week, that lady got caught stealing a hundred million dollars from the Pentagon, an employee. Yeah. So like it happens. And yeah, on the other hand, I would say like, if it was a bigger company in a bigger operation, multiple people in it, multiple people in support, there is probably a more natural checks and balances of other eyes on this, where it did seem like this employee had kind of the run of the, you know, the keys to the castle so to speak in there where it's like, you know, you know, who's shaving the barber kind of thing at that point where there was no one else to even notice that this could have been happening. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said too, they should have, I'm not saying don't have your own chat, you know, internal yeah. checks and balances and all that stuff. So they should be doing, I mean, our, our guy, uh, parlay picker, man, they Jaguars would never have caught him. It seems like without DraftKings, you know, right. Outsourcing in that. Yeah, how, wait, how did that one right now I'm like it's a fog. I, how I did he get busted again? My theory is that he had so many um by the way, this show's entertainment purposes only. Don't sue us, don't dupe us. My theory is uh that he was depositing so much that when Massachusetts or wherever he was from had implemented the sports betting guidelines that they applied to DFS too and we talked about this before. Then it's like really hard to get your limits raised. And they like want to I go, found out during cash game week. <laughs> they want to go through your entire life's history. And I honestly I think it's completely ridiculous, but eventually it worked. They caught uh they they I'm assuming they caught they thought they caught someone, so they contacted the employer and said, you know, just to let you know, like we are trying to figure out how this guy is making you know, a million dollars in deposits every year on a, you know, what we'd assume is a $80,000 a year salary or whatever. And then they looked into it and busted them. I could be wrong, but yeah, that my guess is DraftKings actually cracked that case. Yeah. Yeah. I, f I forgot about that. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's already, you know, with this stuff, there are already all kinds of people going through the, the old contest. And that is kind of one saving grace is because so many of those transaction logs yes. are publicly available, posted winnings, all of this stuff. It doesn't seem like if everything does come out, like it should be pretty easy to solve, like whether more of this occurred or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that'll be interesting to see how it, how it shakes out. Like at least they got... At least they got one guy. Um, it's at, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't isn't like just being fired not enough? Like, shouldn't like a state's attorney be looking into that guy? Well, Seems yeah, like I mean, pretty big crime. That's that's where you know we're we're above my my pay grade with that stuff. But it, it doesn't seem like you can just put um, a tidy bow 
on on that after that because if you start to think about like the butterfly effect and like ramifications of how this could have impacted future and i mean even imagine like remember the um the the bachelor gate right like DraftKings adjusted the standings and paid everyone out relative to an adjustment of removing those entries because there are ramifications it's a lot easier for DraftKings because it was isolated to a single contest you know it's like we just have to fix this one contest versus something that could potentially span hundreds of contests right yeah yeah they they didn't have an employee though go rogue so like i'm just thinking of like could they have yeah could the state's attorney like prosecuted the bachelor gate people um i would assume no or it'd be a lot harder than you know your ethan gate like let's say he he did this 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 kind of cheating, like this level of cheating, which he didn't, that was completely overblown. I just joking about Ethan Gate, but um, I would assume that he could be looking at jail time. How, what does anyone remember? I'm not even sure if they got caught. the 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 live poker. What's the what's the big poker TV show? Um, internet show that. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. It's. It's why, why can I not think of it? But they just had that, you know, the they've had multiple cheating scandals where the guy who was um, behind the scenes doing the TV work. Oh, wait, we're talking about the um, Mike Postel. There's there's a few of them. Yeah, there was that. Yeah. that what's her name? J, um, there was a couple of them. But yeah, Postel. But I think the guy who was doing the TV in one of those, I think he got some charges against him. Yeah. Yeah, Robbie the, Jade, the Robbie was the Jade one, recent one, but she's still. I thought, I thought the the Mike Postle one did involve the one at the Stones Casino with the guys who were back in the booth. Stones, um, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. And I'm pretty sure somebody got fired. Um, but anyways, I I, I don't remember all the details, so it doesn't really matter. But I don't know. I just feel like there's definitely a chance that uh, might be some charges filed here. Yeah, I mean it it like it shatters the integrity of of the contest how people view playing on the site and I mean I think it's completely natural if I were in previous contests with this user how would you not have questions you know especially when it it comes down to essentially a super user like you know how what a massive edge that is to be a super user in something like this to where like you could legitimately be drawing dead. You could have played the contest perfectly and still be drawing dead to a super user. You know, if he just played it, I'm thinking, thinking, trying to think like a cheater. If he just played it where he fed him who everyone was playing, that's probably a big, if they're not idiots and they can utilize this information, which might not be capable for these people. That's probably a big enough edge where you could just do that over time and print money and no one mm-hmm. will be like, man, he's really good. Yeah. So yeah. they, they screwed up. They screwed up royally. I mean, I'd be interested to see if he got any cash too. the Derek. Would you say his name? Derek, the employee. Yeah. For cash from what? For, like they split it. Right. I mean, that's where the stuff like where it's like you to, you know, we can only speculate, but like if you actually follow the money on on that stuff, because that that has to be a crime, right? Like that's like that's clearly fraud. Yes. Um. 
So yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess if we get swept under under the the rug, nothing's gonna happen to the guy. But yeah, I, um, I mean, it is now. It's reached, you know, a, an exit velocity now with with the, with the ESPN story and everything that I assume multiple other, not I don't know, outlets or whatever are going to get their hands on this. There's going to be more digging. I feel like if there are other things to be found, they will be found at this point. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, and maybe that'll. The, these cheaters, though, they don't. They never stop. They never learn. You'd think like. I'm sure there's other cheating going on, you know, and other de- poker for sure, right? We, know, I mean, almost for sure. DFS, who knows? You, you figure these guys would learn their lessons and just stop. Yeah. But I mean, we, we've talked about this stuff before too, where in the in the game of life, this is still the equivalent of picking up, you know, pennies in the middle of the highway, right? Like even yeah. we're we're not we're we're talking about large sums of money. I'm not trying to you know, de-emphasize that. But like when it comes to the trajectory of your life and how you're going to spend the rest of your life, you are picking up pennies on the highway doing stuff like this. For for sure. Yeah. Like in most people's schemes aren't even nearly as good and profitable as this. I mean, good's probably not the right word, but not nearly as profitable. And so like, yeah, if you're like, you know, screwing DraftKings over to get extra crowns and stuff. Like people do stuff like this. Like it's like never. It's not. It's not fucking worth. Are those it. the guys that ruined the DraftKings uh, rewards program? The guys who were who were taking them for crowns? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I forgot another thing too. They used to have with the DraftKings rewards. You, I, I'm not sure you know this, uh, but I'm pretty sure you did. They had that store, like an Amazon store, and like. You get like twenty five percent off like year round, and then fifty percent off around Christmas. They yeah. just stopped. They just stopped the whole thing. Now I, I got tons you, of shit off there. There you go. Your entire those guitars behind you. The, what, the, from one the of them? Key. Really? Yeah that that's a three thousand dollar guitar right there. The first, that one I got that's for fifteen hundred bucks. There you go. What a have you? Do you have to make your decision on how to spend your uh, your reward credits yet? Have you already made your choice? Uh, no, um, they just came out with the brochure. So I'm going to, it look, it, it looks like jewelry. <laughs> I love that for you. They, I, I'm not sure they're going to have my size, Pete. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brian, I need, I, I want like a video. I would watch the hell out of like a little 10 minute really produced thing where you pick out your jewelry you kind of, you know, like try to try it on for size a little bit. You're kind of in the mirror. And then you reluctantly head down to the pawn shop. <laughs> and then you're like comparing the EV of the crowns. And then we get this flashback scene of like, I played all of this DFS to get this much money from the pawn shop. I, I feel like that would be compelling content. That is what I'm doing virtually, though. It does look like like it's it's you take a hit um, with the jewelry more so than with watches. Because the... The idea is DraftKings is getting some kind of wholesale discount with whatever partnership distributor they're on. So they're able to get it discounted, give you a reward at full price, but they're getting it at like a 70 or 75% clip or whatever. Uh, you you know better than me. I have no idea why they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. Um, I, I mean, I'd be surprised if they even do it next year. I still, I don't like the gifts idea, honestly. I I am a rakeback man. I think it's better for the ecosystem. I think people want to like the lure of 
of skill gambling is that you can make a living at it. I'm just laughing because the way you said rake back man is the exact same way someone says like if they're an ass or a boobs man. <laughs> I'm a rake back man. Oh. It like sounded like somewhat dirty to me when you said it. Oh, she's got nice rake back. <laughs> uh, yeah, breaking news in the chat. I'm just seeing this posted. Former LSU and current New England Patriots wide receiver Kayshawn Booty was arrested today. He allegedly placed more than 8,900 bets while underage with a fake account. Some of this occurred during the 2022 season, his last at LSU, 8,900 bets. So that my is new so player. many bets. My new favorite player. <laughs> yeah. I love this guy for, and he was only in college. Should be legal, yeah. legal then man. free this man. Complete injustice that he was even bothered today. Yeah. Uh, so here, here's the rub, uh, although I'm getting hit with the uh, the ad block or whatever. I guess it is saying that a decent chunk of them were on college football games. So that's where you, that's where you really get in trouble. <laughs> so, oh, I, six were on LSU football. Okay. Now, now you're really boned. <sighs> Fine. Do you still I not care, it. Brian? Not really. No. I, I think you should be allowed to bet on your own team. I don't give a shit. Okay. That, that's an absurd take. Uh, I, I think I have the more reasonable take that you should be able to bet on like UFC – if you play football, but you shouldn't be able to bet on your own team, Brian. I feel comfortable saying that. Well, how about that? How about the team not in your conference? Yeah. Can you bet on no, that? No, get out of here. Let's oh, just come on. let's just keep this clean. You can literally board, uh, bet on anything in the world except the sport you play in. Can we can we do that? No, no, no. <laughs> I want I want no holds barred. Yeah. I want players, I want bet players betting mid-game, live betting. Yeah. <laughs> Like right before the play, like they know what the play is going to be. You've turned into a nihilist. You're like, if if the the potential for cheating can occur, just burn it all down. Let no, everyone bet on themselves. If, if Congress can do it, the players should be able to do it too. Okay, it's only fair. I thought, man, this sounds like a real libertarian take. After uh, Davis broke the news that you said libertarianism is bad. I'm just still libertarian on gambling. That's it. <laughs> okay. So now, now you're a true politician Pick, uh, picking and choosing. Uh, I might be able to, I might be convinced to, to say none on your own team, but I don't know. Pete Rose, I, put him in the hall, put all the roids users in the hall. Give me a break. Did you think, did you think about suing Davis for that libelous uh, title to that take cast podcast? Uh, there actually is a lawsuit pending. <laughs> Um, he'll, you're, you're damned if you do or damned if you don't with Davis, right? Because he'll either try to get you in some gotcha journalism and twist your words in a title, or he'll just co-opt your takes as his own. <laughs> right, right. The ones he likes, he'll just <laughs> consider his own. The ones he doesn't <laughs> like, he calls me crazy. Yeah. Um, did you have any takes on, uh, this, this barstool stuff with, with DraftKings? Because we had talked about this initial story when Barstool broke up with, with Penn Gaming. Um, can you ban H-Train 34? That's a big insult, buddy, okay? We're not, we're not, no, the next one. Oh. <laughs> that one. Oh, wow. How dare you, sir? I did spot Brian at French Laundry having a very nice <laughs> meal without his mask on uh, during COVID. So this uh. out. <laughs> um, Do you know H-Train? I don't think I've ever seen him in the chat. No. He seems pretty fired up. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't know if he's joking. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, what, what were we just talking about? Oh, Portnoy. Is he? 
is he uh, our generation's greatest businessman? I I mean, I think so because when this initially happened, it like seemed like a decent trade-off of like, all right, you can never do anything with sports betting again, which is obviously a cash cow, even on the affiliate side, but you get your company back and you can monetize however else you see fit outside of sports gambling. Then we find out not only can he uh, get back into bed with a sports book, but he can do so after just six months. Six months non-compete. Now they're signing a massive deal with DraftKings. They're back on track to do basically everything else they they used to do outside of being literally partnered with uh, or operating essentially their own sports book. It's pretty incredible. It, I mean, the man's going to be very rich as he was already. But yeah, even more so. It's interesting. DraftKings found value, so much value in him, while Penn saw so little value that they gave him these terms. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some discussion. I saw like Taylor KB and Dan Bach were talking about it and like how much leverage uh, Portnoy had in those initial negotiations because it does seem crazy on the ESPN Penn side that now they are literally competing for market share with this new, you know, DraftKings Barstool partnership when the whole selling point was like, we're just going to slide all of these Barstool sports betters over here. And at least we have them and then we can add our own that we mine from our ESPN channels and marketing. But now it's like you're back to competing with them over that same demographic. Yeah, clearly. Like, I mean, how did their lawyers not just have that by default? I mean, I think like the the, like the the former Osmo employees had a longer non compete clause <laughs> that Dave Portnoy did for a billion dollar sports betting company. Yeah, I'm just pulling up uh, this article here on Sportico, um, and I guess the deal hasn't been finalized. It says advanced talks on a wide ranging sports betting deal with DraftKings. The deal would be a more traditional marketing partnership with Barstool promoting DraftKings odds and benefiting from customers referred to the sports book. Uh, Barstool won't be lending its name to a sports book app. The news comes uh, less than a year after gaming giant Penn sold Barstool back to Portnoy for a dollar. Penn initially paid $163 million for 36% of Barstool, then bought the other 64% for $388 million. Those plans didn't come fruition with the sustainable uh, betting app long term. And last year, Penn unloaded Barstool for a dollar in order to partner with a different sports media brand. So they clearly did some kind of, hopefully better than back of the napkin math, that said they would be able to make more money just getting completely clean of this Barstool deal and going to ESPN. Like even the sunk costs associated with that would still pale in comparison to how much they could make with the ESPN partnership. That had to have been their calculus, right? That last line too makes a lot of sense to me. Eight hundred fifty million dollar write off. Okay. Yeah. So if they're just gonna, they think they're gonna print. Well, they don't have to pay eight hundred fifty million of it for a while. It it's just like us money. selling our Jokic, you know, pennies on the dollar at the end of the calendar year to get our tax write off. You know, it's it's very similar to that. I feel like. <laughs> Too bad we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, we tried. No one bought it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I haven't even looked. We still have that listed. Yeah. 
I and then yeah, I do remember this other part with their clause. If if he ever sold the company again, Ped would would get fifty uh, percent of the proceeds. And then Barstool is also prevented from getting back into betting before the end of the current NFL season and playoffs. It's like okay, I, I don't think they were spinning up something for three weeks. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. It's, wild there because i mean how was that not part of the reporting of the initial deal because there was so much confusion and it was like ah blah 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 you know you could see this making sense for both sides but if you added the part that this would all be gone in six months it would have been a very clear win for portnoy right out of the gate his his espn like have they come out with any numbers yet and see if like espn's really helping that much because i'm still skeptical of that if of what that ES that ESPN is that much better than Barstool, right? As as like the marketing, you know, their sportsbook marketing partner. Um, I don't know. I uh, think it, it it's it's almost two different, completely, um, you know, different approaches, right? Because you know, with the the Barstool demographic, you're getting a hyper engaged audience um, that wants to tail the personalities and you have like a very direct way to get to them, but they're not going to be sticky gamblers. They're probably not going to have an unlimited supply of disposable income to keep redepositing, keep playing. Whereas then with the ESPN, their viewers are likely going to have more disposable income, um, but are probably not going to be as engaged and as invested in the personalities that are touting picks or talking about promos. So then it's like, what's more important, just getting people on the platform, but then they don't have enough money to stay or having a harder time getting guys on their couch who play golf and, you know, are retired. But if they do get hooked on it, well, then they have the income to keep blasting off. Yep. Yeah. That's the play. They're going, they're going after the boomers. Yeah. I don't know. I still, I just think I'm so biased against ESPN at this point though, that may, I can't really probably make a rational thought on the matter. I, I, I just can't like, cause Stephen A. Smith says something, I'm going to go make a bet. Like, and he, and he's like the best one too. I mean, I don't know that like every personality on there is fucking annoying. There's the ESPN has been a piece of shit for 20 years. I really do think like if ESPN, uh, like if I was in charge of like sports betting marketing for ESPN and with an, with a guy like uh, Stephen A. Smith, I would heavily push the oppo bet our tout angle. So like I would make it a whole thing like Stephen A. Smith gives his picks and then it's like, do you think Stephen A. Smith is full of shit? Here is how you bet opposite of what he wants to bet on all of these things. I bet they would get so much you know, traction on something like that of being like, yeah. I don't want to tail this guy and just lean into it. That'd be a good bet. Yeah. Skip Bayless. Oppo skip yeah. Bayless. Yeah. And then if they do good, then they could, they could go off, you know, you idiots who are Oppo betting me. That would be great. No one's, has anyone done a good Oppo bet, bet, bet yet? Well, Jack was trying to do one on the club show earlier this week, saying he's on the world's. At the end of the show, we built a pick'em entry. I asked Jack for his genuinely his four favorite picks for this weekend, and then I created an entry with the complete opposite right. and shared that with everybody. <laughs> I also oppo bet. Well, not oppo bet. They were contestants in the Gill Shootout. I just maxed. They had a hundred dollar max on it for Jack and Jennings, and I just maxed their lower at round one. That yeah. one, that one hit. So you know, betting against I your friends is working out for me. I made a vow never to bet against the uh, three donkeys. 
<laughs> ever ever since push up gate. Yeah, ever since push up gate. Um, I don't want any of these shenanigans uh, happening and anything else. Like the balls are rimming out. No, we're gonna count that yeah. one. We're gonna count that one. Someone not to get someone make too much noise. Not to get political, but did you? I saw a headline the other day that says Stephen A. Smith wants to debate Donald Trump. Oh, I'll I admit, said I'd, I'd I'd watch. I, I I will admit I'd watch. Oh, I of course I'd watch it. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith is so fucking annoying. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, it would just uh, you just know that he would be able to coax out some kind of racist barb from Donald Trump. That that's the one thing <laughs> that you just know would be a lock. That's like minus three fifty. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be great. Um, yeah. Did you see like NFL's thinking about going um, to a subscription service after their contracts up? No, I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, who do who I was? I can't remember what I was listening to some some podcast or something. But um, oh, that Patrick Bet David, they were talking about it. So basically, just being streaming exclusive on their own. Yeah, platform? like 20, 20 bucks or something. Yeah. Um, and cause they, t- that like the idea is they're testing that, that, that wild card game on Peacock was like a test. Yeah. And I guess they got to get everyone up. upset on, on Twitter. Yeah. And it sure did. And then, well, uh, but yeah. then they, they like showed the numbers and they had like 27.8 million people watching or whatever. Right. And so I think that's got them looking in the direction of just going full subscription. I mean, cable's dead right like who watches anyone under 55 who watches cable anymore it's got to be a fraction of the population and so like and the only thing that i have the only reason i ever still watch those channels is because of sports and i can't yeah. be alone in that i'm sure tons of so if you get rid of it cable's dead good riddance yep. um yeah i, I mean yeah. i i'm torn because i paid did you do the I don't know if you would have had uh, the impetus to do it, but I got the um, the YouTube TV NFL subscription. So like it included Red Zone, but also all the other games. So like on Sundays, I could have Red Zone in a quad box and then three other hand-picked games. And then also like anywhere remotely, pulling it up on my phone, different whatever. It was expensive as hell, but I really enjoyed that I- experience this year. I think I told you about that actually at the beginning of the year. I, did you? I, it was either yeah. that or from David Kitchen's newsletter, Cavish, in a post that he said he was going to write but never did. <laughs> Could have been that. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He he does his blogs like I do my best ball teams. I I, yeah. I say they advance, but they actually don't. Yeah. Says he's going to write it, but never does. Um, but yeah, that I, I I have YouTube TV, so I do get the uh, the, the quad box for you know uh, college basketball or whenever it's up. So it is awesome. Um, but I just did the red zone package this year. I didn't try the the other one. I yeah. know because I, I do one TV red zone and then the other TV, you do the dual box with you know whatever the NFC AFC game that's yeah. going. And that's 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 pretty good. Yeah. I, but I would be opposed to trying it. They need to like they need to adjust the ratio. On the quad box to fit the the wide TVs though, because it wastes a lot of the space. It does. <laughs> it will be no other really thing that, that my only other gripe with it is you still have to select from prepackaged quad configurations. You can't like, you know, if there's a 
13 games slated, and let's say there's like nine 1 p.m. games, I can't pick red zone and then hand pick the three games that I want alongside of it. It's mm. they have their prepackaged ones. And like generally, if you worked hard enough, you know, they might have like four or five and you just pick the one you like the best. But there's generally still like one tweak you'd make. You're like, let's get rid of this game and throw in this game. That that's my only gripe with that. And they have something that like the way the technology works, like it's not as mobile as you would think would be able to shift around the own pieces. Right. Like college football, they, they would do the same thing. They'd put, they'd put like 10 different options and like, you know, they'd have Arizona state in three of them, but not in all of them, but it does right. not paired with the uh, Michigan state game. You want to watch. Yeah. It's they'll, they'll get, they'll get the hang of it. They'll get the hang of it. I mean, the, this is, this is the opposite of DFS right now is the streaming wars. There's tons of competition. So when there's yeah. tons of competition, there's going to be tons of price reductions and innovation and fighting for IP. So we end up winning uh, big time uh, in the and you know in this in this war where DFS they just keep they just get rid of all the world wars and you're stuck, can't do shit. <laughs> do you think in that article I, um, about the the cheater? I think it was that article somewhere. I read today they were talking about maybe um, uh, FFPC and underdog, et cetera, prize picks getting into DFS. Mm. Do you think there's any chance of that? Like, well, first of all, they they call their games DFS, but you mean salary cap DFS? Yeah, tr- classic yeah. DFS. I think it's it. I have never heard like any rumblings or anything that would indicate that they are, but I think it'd be it'd be cool. I mean, I. I I don't, it, it, it can't be that big of a tech hurdle, right? Maybe I'm being ignorant on what it, what it would take to spin that stuff up. I understand like the maintenance side of it, like creating the salaries and all of that stuff has a, has a big lift, but just like from an infrastructure standpoint, it seems like it would be doable. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for us to say we don't have to code it and <laughs> keep yeah. it up, but I don't know. I think it'd be cool. I'd love for some competition, especially a company that's like uh, got sexy, sexy rake back programs going. Uh, you're, because you're a rake back man, right? I'm a rake back man. <laughs> um, so obviously, I'd be I'd be all for it if and like I mean the pick them the PvP pick them stuff. It just doesn't do it for me. I don't know, Pete. What do you? Th- I know you like Pickums way more than me. What do you think? Well, I haven't. I haven't done the the peer peer to peer Pickum games yet. Um, I I enjoy just the regular style Pickum because it's like building a DFS lineup where you don't have to compete with other DFS lineups. So like, I like the idea. If I'm right on this game shooting out, I'm going to get paid off. You know, if my stuff hits and I don't have to worry about a random other entry. Um, I think we're I think we're on the same page in that like the peer-to-peer stuff in its current form isn't that interesting, but it does have the potential with more innovative game concepts, with more liquidity, bigger player pools, yeah. bigger prize pools. Like it could get interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Once you start throwing hundred K at me for first, then I might go, you know, this stuff's pretty fun. But um I don't know if they c- I guess maybe there'd have to be a lot of options. You know, there has to be a lot of pick'em options because otherwise people are going to be duping each other. Right. Yeah. 
And I just think that it has, we, we talked about this, right? Where the sharps like it because they understand the game theory element of being willing to be contrarian, not taking the popular picks. And yet the casual players are going to hate it because they're going to be so confused of, Hey, I was right, but I'm getting a fraction of, you know, what I thought the payout was going to be. So then how do you ever get the velocity for that game to grow? Right. Like how many of those guys are one and done because they literally don't even understand how it works. So you need like you're trying to to thread the needle of a user who is like dumb enough not to be good at the game, but smart enough to understand the dynamic payout structure. Like who is that user? Yeah. Good point. Do you think the DFS ecosystem is still big enough for an extra site? If it's done really well, I think so. I think I think so too. Yeah. Because there's not there isn't much competition, right? Like there is a void in the market for another really like slick platform. Right. And even like you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? Like if there was competition and you had a really good UI and good contest, which I I know is easier said than done, I mean people would be very willing to play there. I think like you think of even of just how DFS content like over the years like FanDuel used to be mentioned in the same breath with almost every single pick. Like you'd be like this, or I'd prefer to play this guy on FanDuel. Like outside of jokes now, like, oh, I had him on FanDuel. Like you don't even hear that. Like the market was willing to support like multiple sites um, from that angle. So I I think there still would be interest in it. It's also like a grinder site. So I think that that kind of breakback model as their like marketing promotion to get it off the ground would work with their existing user base who are already grinders. Um, but like my theory is back in the, the poker days, the allure for a lot of dudes was like that you could make a living even being a break even player because you can make not a good living, but you know, 50 grand a year, 30 to 60 grand a year in rake back. And then while you're doing that, you learn how to get, really good better. get better and then once you start being plus cv you got the rake back plus your your profit and that does not exist for dfs at all or best ball really because best ball is just it's best ball is kind of hard because besides battle royale the payouts take so long and stuff like that so like to be the place for the grinder um the person who makes a living and stuff like that and they provide a lot of liquidity there's all sorts of benefits could be could be an angle to launch off of for yeah. for for underdog i could see i could see something like that um i mean I, it's you know selfish obviously because i think it would benefit me but i i don't know i do think there's something to that angle of of no one really the image of dfs isn't great right now you know yeah and if and you could switch it to the more grinder mentality like yeah there's probably you know there's 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 like poker pros and then there's DFS pros, you know, and they, you know, they make like 60, 90 grand a year or something, you know? It, it's interesting. Cause, uh, I was thinking about this. I feel, I feel like I mentioned this on another show. I can't remember it, but I was just listening to two guys. They were talking about content, but this is going to apply to like DFS platforms and stuff too, of like this idea of making like upstream 
content or downstream content. Downstream content meaning you're going to like the lowest common denominator. You know a large swath of people are going to be interested in that versus upstream content. And they use the phrase like you want to be a magnet. Like you do like what you think is the best stuff or the most interesting or the things that, you know, make you feel creative. And then people gravitate to that because of like your level of interest and passion about that. And these kind of how those kind of two ideas are often on different sides of the pole, like the downstream upstream, it seems like that is happening with some of these like DFS providers, right? Where like the upstream content is like, you continue to innovate, make really interesting games, reward the grinders, reward the people who spend the most time on your site. But all of like, the big money, the big cash outs, the big affiliate deals are all downstream. It's the lowest common denominator. It's just get on the site. It's just do this parlay and be done. And yet those users aren't sticky and they aren't going to be your best customers. And if you're willing to play the long game, if you're willing to be patient, which when you're operating a big business with lots of overhead costs, that's easier said than done, but you can build up just a really incredible user base and fan base. And I think that's just an interesting to think of, of like from the DFS angle and the salary cap and how sticky those users are, that not a lot of people are wanting to even put any effort into like upstream magnetic type of games. Yeah, yeah. Or just, yeah, re, re, redoing the the structures to, to, to like more make this, this type of guy who's going to be around longer, this type of player who'll be around longer. I yeah. think that's, I think you're right. I think, um, you know, I don't know. They, they've always kind of been like a sports book focused short-term yeah. model anyways. Like even before they had sports books, I think like very briefly in the beginning, maybe it was, they, they, I think they had some probably former poker website employees and stuff. And they were kind of using that affiliate model and stuff like that. But then they very quickly changed more to like a sports book. And it would, I think if they did have that, that, uh, whatever the one, the long-term downstream, whatever your description was there, the person who, who's going to stick around, um, those guys bet they'll bet too, you know, um, and they're not all super sharp at betting, but like, it's hard enough with no rake, you know, no rewards, no rake back, um, you know, super top heavy, high variance, super skilled players playing now. You know, like to then go, oh, yeah, I'll throw a thousand dollars on the MMA fight, you know, like you're like, oh, I might need that money for for DFS. But if they know they're getting their rake back every two weeks um, and it's a little easier to like be a grinder and make 50 grand a year, or 60 grand a year. And uh, those guys will stick around. Those guys will bet. I mean, that's kind of like the, the best ball DFS, you know model that I'm, I'm, I think they might be able to pull off. Yeah. At underdog yeah. or, or, or DraftKings. I just don't think draft DraftKings has no incentive right now because there's no one, you know, they're, they're using, they're using the legislature to fight underdog and price picks right now. Right. They're not looking to, to build this, this idea that we're talking about at all. At least it doesn't seem apparent to me. Right. And because like a lot of that stuff, it is, it's going to be, you know, a loss leader, right? Like you're going to invest a lot of money into those kind of concepts, programs, the rake back, the, you know, uh, developing the games, all of that stuff like has a ton of overhead costs. And then the thought is like deep down the road, you get the payoff. But if you're just like raking it in on the short-term stuff, like what incentive, like you said, do you have to really invest in a future like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think image wise, it's better too. Like if you're like, no, we, it's a skill game. Like we have, you know, 200 
grinders who make their lives off this site. Right. It kind of like, and then they, and then, and then they go, what about the I casino? Like, well, don't, don't <laughs> forget about that. Let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about how we have pros. We have, we have, we have grinders who make their living and pay for their kids college education fund off of this. It is. And like, that's how you, you really separate yourself. I mean, and they, we talked about it. Like they were you doing that kind of stuff with all the DraftKings pro content before I remember watching very well-produced videos of Bales, uh, you know, lifting in his garage and Condia with his Lamborghini and all of this, like they were very much selling that, that thing of like the most skilled players get rewarded proportionally and they, they've risen up to the top. Like that used to be the DFS dream, that narrative. Like, it's like, how do you, how do you make that now? Or they're, they're not, they, I guess they tried, right. Chasing the goat was the most recent yeah. attempt at something like that. Yeah. That was they. They still had that team. They still had a DFS team going. I think they've kind of switched over now at this point. To, Isn't to, it crazy how much stuff has changed since that thing? You know, so you have, um, you know, lots that's happened at Run Pure for Big T. You got, you know, awesome. the site's no longer named after him. It's stochastic, and then Whistles was revealed to be a FET. Like, so all of these big things have happened i can't even get a smirk from you out of that <laughs> it's just such inherent truth that you don't even blink no i'm like those are big head. things i don't see <laughs> in my life these are huge events Pete. <laughs> um i mean we've been i've been trying to sneak in the poker scandal for like three episodes i know you keep telling me yeah what do you i know now we're we're running out of time is this our new bit where we say we're going to talk about the poker scandal every episode and then just we just never it? never do Maybe was we, there I mean, actually it, new information yeah that one the tweet i sent you yesterday was new to me i mean it, it would actually be nice to get uh, a current online pro on the show to, to actually tell us what's going on instead of just being on the sidelines, reading tweets and stuff. But I mean, long story short, since we don't have much, much time left there, the America card room, America's card room, which there's not like, if you don't, if you don't live in a legal state, there's not really many sites for Americans to play on. And this is kind of one of them has had longstanding claims that they are, that they have a bot farm. And um, Jay Nandez tweeted out that he, they have proof and, uh, and, and receipts and, and the week before they had this, this, this was, it was really, if we were going to do like a, you know, 20 minutes on it, they had um, a, a contest, a bounty contest that if you could get a bot on their site, they'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. And some guy did it in like 15 minutes and then they revoked the whole contest. And he yeah. had, if he still has his tweet up, he talks about it on just a little a video he posted of himself. And that was like a week or two ago. So like, it looks like it just keeps getting, it keeps getting worse. But I think that was GG poker and this one's ACR. Yes. So, yeah. so like, it's not looking good for anyone who wants to play online poker. I mean, I, I imagine, I wonder what's going on with poker stars or the bigger sites, but the, the, one of the interesting things that this this latest one that I thought was interesting is he said it was for PLO. It was either Limit Omaha or Potlimit Omaha, or maybe I'm, I read it wrong. But I didn't think that we had the technology yet advanced far enough that PLO was beatable by bots. I didn't know that either. Yeah, so maybe it was Limit 
Lemon Omaha. Um, okay. Which would change things. Lemon is a lot easier to beat. But if it was PLO, like that was kind of like what every all the poker players were saying. Like, doesn't matter. They'll never figure out PLO, bro. Just play PLO. Yeah. Um, so like if they're figuring out PLO, like I'm not sure if they legalized it in Boston or Illinois, if it would be worthwhile even playing for six months. Cause you know, there's going to be those guys with real, real time assistant info on there at the very least. Yeah. That's it. And I mean, poker, man, that's just a whole other thing. Like when you think about how like contained and how like black box, some of that stuff is even the technology of like randomizing the whole cards when it's, you know, whatever, like versus even like this fantasy football stuff, which is still mostly played with cards straight up. It doesn't mean that tomfoolery can't occur, but just more of the game is forward facing in the way the technology works than even like the poker stuff, man. I just feel like there's so much implicit trust. It's like playing online slots, right? It's like, I mean, you don't know what they have that throttle to as far as like they literally can decide. They could say no one ever wins. Like right. obviously it's in their best interest to pull some people along, but I mean, talk about a black box. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, but it's it's regulated Pete and these people at the gambling board, I'm sure they really, really know what they're doing and you should trust them. Um uh Spurious news there. PLO is possible with the solver tools. I know it's possible to solver tools, but I didn't know. Like that's you know a solver tool is something you do post uh, after a hands over. I didn't know like that they could build a bot that could beat a human for right. you know ten big blinds in PLO. If that's even true. Yeah, man. It was funny. I hadn't heard the name Jay Nandez in a while because the last I heard his name was he he had his fallout with Doug Polk with the upswing poker. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna mention that, but like I had to get out the the poker story. Yeah, he he was the one he Polk was mean to him. Remember yeah. and they had that whole big <laughs> when Polk was doing his uh his PR campaign on Polk was a uh, a bully and he yeah. had to defend himself and he yeah. just sat there on that that what, what is the the twitter spaces on that yeah. space for hours and he didn't really lose his shit either too i would have lost it i will say i mean i'm not super plugged in to the the poker drama slash water cooler but i feel like polk weathered he's weathered multiple storms he weathered oh, yeah. the uh yeah. what was it coin uh whatever his partnership where that oh, crypto right. company went under um, and he had promoted that to a bunch of people. And then he had the like big bowling thing and like Galfon wrote up his post about why more people uh, can't or need to stop normalizing Doug's behavior. I feel, I don't know. It feels like he, he weathered those. Yeah. Yeah. He, who did he just get a shout out from? Um, oh, Joe Rogan. Did he really? Yeah. Cause they said, cause they're in Texas now, right? All those comedians, their, their, uh, their lodge poker club. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a direct shout out. He goes, and there's that huge, uh, poker room over on whatever street you know it's like his poker room and yeah so then either him or joy diaz who was his guest one of them pointed it out no i think it was rogan yeah i think it was rogan yeah because logan uh rogan lives in austin right yeah 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 you know yeah. shane gillis is moving there too a lot of man i like i mean i had not heard or thought about shane gillis since the snl thing for a long time and obviously it's the you know the confirmation bias thing once you start seeing it you see it everywhere but i feel like just the past 
two months, even that dude is just fully blown up. It's like, I see clips on TikTok. Like my, my college buddies were talking about him this weekend. You just mentioned him. I'm like, where the hell did Shane Gillis come out of nowhere from? <laughs> I think maybe you weren't paying attention because he, he I wasn't. Was, yeah. He was getting some, some pretty big views on, on his YouTube sketch, sketch channel. Uh, was it Geeves and Killy, Gillian Keeves, whatever. Uh, some of those sketches I thought were pretty, pretty goddamn funny. Um, yeah. And then his he had two stand-ups to us since then at least. The first one I didn't think that was good. This latest one was just came out on Netflix not that long ago. That's probably why he's blowing up to a bit. Um, and then he also has a podcast that's that's pretty popular. And he does podcast appearances that that sometimes blow yeah. up. Yeah, I'm just saying as someone who's like casually plugged in to the stand-up comedy scene, like I had not seen that it, it you know, there these guys it goes in cycles, right? Like you had like the John Mullaney is is hot kind of cycle where you know like two to three years like he's untouchable uh and then you leave your wife to hook up with olivia munn and then you're not as popular um yeah he was funny around coke let's be honest he needs to he needs to go back i'm kidding he's <laughs> i know this people is brian are... the two poll quotes brian nfl players should be allowed to bet on their own performance in games and john mulaney is funnier on coke <laughs> i know i'm kidding i know people who, who are friends with him he's from chicago uh he yeah. went to high school with a bunch of people I know. Look at you, just name dropping, just classic. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know why. Oh, I'm sure he's going to give you a random shout out. That uh, that DFS player, Brick seventy five from the. He's, he's he is hilarious though. I, I just think his last stand up was like, yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Uh, we're gonna power this down one of these days. We'll talk. We'll get to the bottom of what happened on ACR, Brian cheating you're getting cheated just assume you're getting cheated <laughs> unless you sign up for brick75.com in which case all brian does is deliver value on that site that's true i i have no way of cheating you on brick75.com or so you think brian so you Not think yet. <laughs> um all right guys thank you for hanging out uh if you're very confused by what we're talking about definitely go watch the ship chasing video last night we went blow by blow through everything that happened brian and i are here every thursday at 1 30 p.m eastern you can also uh, join us in the deposit kingdom discord we got a lols channel uh some of our best tips and ideas for shows and stuff pop up in there so if you see anything that feels uh, like a good Lulz topic or Lulz adjacent, feel free to drop it in there. Um, otherwise, we do get this audio up on the podcast feed as well. You can subscribe to Lulz on all of your favorite podcast apps. And one of these days when we decide to do something with our robust download numbers, it will come in handy if you're subscribed and auto-downloading all of our episodes, Brian. Very much so. I got, I got nothing else, Pete. All right, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you next time on Lulz. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.